Britain was the first country in the world to adopt the system of trial by jury. Juries have been around here for 800 years, and the system's been emulated all over the world. It's been praised as a bastion of civil liberties and a model of citizenship. But in the 21st century, the old system's meeting new challenges. Fraud cases and those where there's a high level of scientific or technical content are particularly prone to reveal cracks in the system. So, are we beginning to witness the limitations of trial by jury? Well, with me in the studio are three experts whose work has given them a special insight. Professor Roger Matthews is based at London Southbank University. His past research includes unique face-to-face interviews with jurors. Burkhard Schaefer is a senior lecturer in law at the University of Edinburgh. He specialises in evidence and criminal procedures in other European countries, particularly Germany, France, the Netherlands, and Italy. And Professor Gary Slappers, director of the Centre for Law at the Open University, and one of the authors on this W100 course. Welcome to you all. Let's start our health check on the British jury system by taking a look for a moment at the bigger picture. Gary Slapper, how well do you think? the system of trial by juries adapting to the challenges of the 21st century? I think it's adapting very well. I think part of the reason for that is it has a long and uh, carefully evolving history and it's successfully adapted itself to uh, other social systems and other social developments. And this is particularly so when you remember that the jury evolved from a mechanism that used people who knew the defendant or an event and who uh, swore, adjured to events precisely because they knew the person or what was going on. Uh, It's evolved from that to the exact opposite over 800 years where people are selected because they know nothing of the person or the event. So you think some of the criticism of uh, of the jury system these days is a little misplaced? I think... Much of the criticism is greatly misplaced because uh, sometimes small weaknesses or difficulties with the jury system are seen as being exaggeratedly bad when you look at the broader picture about how successful a mechanism this has been over many centuries. Let's bring out some differences now between the system here and the system elsewhere. Burkhard Schaefer, you're an expert on continental jurisdictions. What are the main differences that strike you at the first instance? Well, first, it is rather difficult to speak of the continental system. Even though continental jurisdictions are all inquisitorial, the way they incorporate lay participation differs widely. And the differences between uh, France and Germany are considerably greater than those between England and Scotland, for instance. What can in generally be said is, firstly, that the iconic character of the jury, its role as democratic participant, is much less pronounced. Uh, The continental jury system historically devolved very much as a response to the experience in France under the revolution. The idea of people's tribunals uh, very democratically, but also in a very unjust and very cruel way, enforcing the will of the government rather than justice. And because of that, there's a certain suspicion and a certain um, disinclination to state the role of the juries in democratic terms. This is the one common denominator which resulted in the Netherlands in a total abolition of the jury and in a very restrained, controlled way of 
using lay participants in other countries. Yeah. Well, we're going to definitely bring out more of those differences and, and um, lessons possibly to learn later on in the discussion. But Roger Matthews, let's turn to the actual perspective of the jury themselves. We don't get to hear from them very often, but your research uh, was unique in that you put questions to jurors themselves. How did they see the system? Well, I mean, most of the jurors that we spoke to were uh, very committed to the whole jury system. They found it very uh, fulfilling experience. They were very conscientious about the whole process and wanted to see fair play. They wanted to see a professional system operating that respected people's rights. And most of the jurors were very happy to do jury service again. And had their perception of being on a jury changed through the experience itself? Well, the research that we did was looking at the confidence of jurors and how being involved in the jury system increased or decreased that confidence. And overall, for the people who participated, there was quite clearly not only an increase in the level of confidence that they had in the court system and in the jury system, but also notions of citizenship, for example, were enhanced by the process of actually being involved in the jury itself. Gary, how do you see that research? Does it fit into how you see the the jury system? Yes, I think it underlines the uh, importance of the fact that the jury is a very significant part of the general social apparatus. In the phrase of one 19th century commentator, it's a good teacher of citizenship. This is one of the key concrete examples of where society does something together, that where people forfeit um, other things that they would be doing in their life to serve socially on behalf of the community and, very importantly, to implement the standards and the will of the community. Burkhard, would would the perspective from, say, France or Germany be in line with that? I would question one aspect of this argument as it applies to the jury in continental systems. If there is indeed an important political role for lay participation, why should it focus on that aspect of the trial which is least open to democratic decision-making, the truth or the question of fact? Would it not be much more rational to focus on punishment, the sentencing aspect, or possibly even on the legal aspect? And that is indeed what happened in continental jurisdictions, where the jurors do not only decide about questions of fact, but also about the sentencing and indeed of questions of law. Roger, do you, do you think that the jurors would here would welcome that idea of being involved in those different stages of the process? And I think it's a very interesting point, actually, because one of the things that we were looking at when we were doing the research was about whether jurors thought that judges were giving out too light or too severe sentences, whether it's been too lenient, whether it's been too harsh. And what we actually discovered was, and this is one of the important things about this whole process, is to make a distinction between the process of the trial and the outcome of the trial. Most of the jurors that we spoke to were not actually that interested in the outcome. What they were interested in was the process. They wanted to see the process working properly and they wanted to see it being fair and just. And when you finish jury service, they give you a telephone number that you can ring up to uh, find out what the verdict was and what the sentence was. Only one in three of the people that we interviewed ever bothered to ring that number. And when we said to people, did you think that the sentence was fair, the reality was is that most people aren't really too concerned whether the person said if they're convicted, get say, two years or four years. What they want to know was were they properly represented, was the process fair 
let's continue and talk about one concern that's often raised, which is exactly this, how decisions are made. The Contempt of Court Act forbids discussion of what happens in the jury room. But there is anecdotal evidence of jurors wanting to use unusual sources of reference, Ouija boards and star charts, for instance, to aid their decisions. Gary, let me come to you first. Do you have concerns about how juries reach their decisions? Certainly when these stories um, crop up, they are um, outlandish and some of them are quite funny because uh, juries have um, consulted Ouija boards or uh, asked silly questions of the judge uh, from time to time, demonstrating that they don't appear to have a good idea about how they should be making the decision. But uh, strange as those cases are, broadly, the evidence indicates that juries um, have a very careful, deliberative process in the way that they reason through. Bakat, how would juries in continental jurisdictions approach this? I would have some concerns about the accuracy of fact-finding of lay people, but I would have exactly the same concern on accuracy of fact-finding by trained lawyers. We do not teach lawyers how to interpret facts, and that is consistent in continental jurisdictions as it is in common law jurisdictions. We don't teach about DNA, we don't teach about statistics, so I can't see why lay people should in themselves be less well-placed to uh, address questions of fact. Um, The one important distinction I would make is, however, whether or not the jury should report its reasons in some written form as a requirement of justice. If I'm punished, I want to know why. I want to know why the other side was convinced. And the continental system, while it does not require from the individual juror to give reasons. Uh, The court, at least, will supply in its written judgment also an evaluation of the evidence, which I think is a helpful mechanism also to have possibilities of appeal if, for instance, decisions were based on blatantly racist or rather outlandish methods of fact-finding. Gary? Occasionally, there Uh, deliberations, because they are small sections of society, suffer from the type of thing that you'd see more broadly. So it's clear that from time to time, juries appear to introduce sexist or racist or all sorts of uh, other prejudiced ideas. Those are then dealt with within the jury setting in the way that they would be in society at large. Roger, what did your research reveal about this process of decision making? What, What did the jurors tell you about how they came to decide one way or the other? Well, we weren't allowed to talk about decision-making because this is the Contempt of Court Act and it's very tricky ground to do any research on at the moment. But what was very clear was that the vast majority of jurors both took it very, very seriously, spent a lot of time and thought about it, and whether their decisions were right or wrong. And there was no doubt that they were very serious about the whole process. And, And certainly people who came to very quick decisions or people who were seen not to take it seriously were actually internally sanctioned by the jury themselves and were treated with a certain degree of reprehension. So basically there was a lot of pressure to go through the arguments carefully and to come to a a thoughtful um, decision. Well, although there's still huge respect for the jury system, it's unlikely to be the most time-efficient system that could possibly be devised. Even in the smoothest running trial, time has got to be devoted to explanations and there's scope for further delays due to failures of communication, accidents and illness. Let's explore now any concerns about the jury system wasting court time and the taxpayers' money. Roger, let me put this to you first. This is often the criticism that we hear about juries. How do you think jurors feel about it? I think jurors have in the past been very upset where cases have been stopped or if people have not turned up and particularly uh, defence or prosecution lawyers have not turned up. My impression was actually travelling around different courts 
is that this whole process has actually been tightened up quite considerably now. And certainly in the old days, I mean, for example, jurors would sit around courts for days and days waiting for trials to restart or for people to turn up. Uh, the whole thing has actually now become much more efficient and uh, there's a lot of pressure on people to turn up on the day because it's very expensive if uh, you know one or two people don't turn up. Burkhardt, of course, the system's very different in so many European countries where people are often nominated, aren't they, rather than, than chosen at random. I wonder whether that meets some of these, these kinds of concerns that you hear expressed. They are nominated in Germany where they are looking closer to a mixture of a British judge and a justice of the peace. Uh, they are chosen at random in France or, or Italy. I'm not convinced that is the jury that delays trials. Um, I totally agree. It typically is a question of efficient calling of witnesses, uh, efficient calling of experts. I would probably have the opposite concern, that the jury trial at present is maybe too quick and too efficient. And that relates back to a point Gary made about the democratic and parliamentary function of the uh, jury system, one of the important functions of a parliamentarian is to ask questions, to be actively involved, to stand up and be counted. That obviously delays the process, but uh, can have huge benefits. And the continental juror typically would have the same rights as a judge to ask questions of the witness. It is slower, it takes longer, but I think in terms of accuracy, that has certain benefits. Gary, that would be something of a revolution here, that kind it, of system. It would, it, it would, although really it's not the system which needs um, changing, but the way that people within the system work it. And I mean that juries are currently entitled to ask um, any questions of the court and the judge. It might be through the way that history has developed and the way that juries, along with other lay members of the court, have found it easy to be cowed and intimidated by the authority uh, of the bench and the bewigged judge from on high. In fact, they were then and are now entitled to ask questions uh, of the court. And you would hope that with growing notions of citizenship, this will occur more often than it does uh, already. Let's talk about a particular kind of challenge. Fraud cases, for instance, and cases involving complex scientific or technical information are this. One notorious Old Bailey trial for fraud, for instance, on the Jubilee Line extension lasted nearly two years and cost the taxpayer £60 million. Roger, this is exactly the kind of case that one sometimes hears uh, the criticism that juries shouldn't be involved in this kind of case. I think the main problem with this particular Jubilee Line case and similar cases is they were argued in terms of the complexity of the evidence and that's why they were inappropriate for juries. The reality was it was the length of the case that was the problem and any case that lasts for two years is obviously going to be very difficult to sustain... 12 people not going to work, etc. On this point about the specialist um, aspects, though, of, of the, the actual content, Burkhardt, I know that in, in many parts of the continent you have specialist jurors, don't you, to, to meet these kinds of demands? We would not use them in criminal litigation, but in civil cases where there is lots of lay participation, we do indeed quite often choose lay participants because of their expert knowledge. In commercial litigation, which is very similar to complex fraud cases, we do have as lay participants people with a background in business, for instance. The United States uh, is experimenting with specialist jurors even in criminal proceedings. Uh, in the continent, we use it in civil litigation. I have doubts about uh, its applicability in a criminal context. Fraud cases can be complex, but they can also be very, very simple. You don't know in advance. The time issue mentioned by Roger, I think, is crucial, and there are ways of helping the juror to cope with that. 
questions of note-taking, possibly allowing them to discuss amongst them before the trial is over. Again, something that would happen on the continent might be better solutions. Gary, what do you think of the solutions in these complex technical cases? I think there has not been yet sufficient attention paid to the idea of simplifying the fraud cases in the way that they're presented. Um, Einstein once said that however complicated ideas are, they should always be reducible to, at a minimum, have uh, one page of A4 um, double-spaced. You should always be able to compress complicated stories into simpler versions. And one has to wonder um, just how complicated something could be if really the answer to the question is guilty or not guilty, if it takes close to two years of being in court for most of those days in order for the story to be told. And of course, Roger, I mean, very few people want to give up that their time to that extent. And how did jurors feel faced with what could potentially be a really long-running case? One of the things that's quite clearly the case is that you've got a number of conflicting pressures. On one level, jurors, people in, in general, find it much harder to give up two, three, four weeks of their lives. I mean, they're very busy people, they've got all the pressures of modern life. It's actually very difficult to make that commitment. On the other side of it, you've also got a government and politicians who actually want to expedite cases. So they want the whole process to be smoother and quicker and faster and more efficient. But at the same time, what they also want, which you also get from the jury system, is they want that level of public involvement and elements of citizenship. So, in fact, I mean, you have those kind of three pressures pulling in different directions simultaneously. And that that's really is at the heart of this whole sort of process. So it's in between those pressures that the debate's being played out. But the most important principle at stake is that justice must be done. So it's important to look at the quality of the final decisions. Let's do that now. Do jurors make fairer decisions than professional judges? In recent years, the acquittal rate in trial by jury has been higher than in trial by judges. So should we be concerned about the quality of jury's decisions? Burkhardt, your view? I think there's a definite role to be played for lay participants in the criminal trial system. I think by and large they increase the quality because they allow prejudices and preconceptions to be challenged through dialogue. And a single judge who has preconceptions is biased is as dangerous as a juror who is biased. So it is important to allow that kind of diversity to come into the system. How you do it in precise procedural terms, might be open for debate. In the continental system, the judge would discuss together with the jury. His assumptions are as challenged as theirs. That might have certain advantages. The other advantage that I see is that it allows the court to give reasons for the decisions. And from a point of fairness, if I were the accused, I would like to know why I was convicted, not just on the legal why, but also why, for instance, my statement wasn't believed and that of my accuser was. That is what the inquisitorial joint deliberation of judge and jury can uh, provide. Gary, what do you think of that idea about giving reasons for jury's decisions? Yes, there is an argument uh, that according to the philosophy which is behind the Human Rights Act, uh, that it is important um, for this uh, to happen so that um, justice can be more open and less opaque. Whether or not it's done in uh, cases of um, acquittal as well as conviction would be one question to resolve. And how precisely the reasons have to be given um, is another question, but uh, it certainly um, carries clear merit as a suggestion and would be one of a number of ways in which the jury could evolve into the future. Roger, what do you think of that idea? 
Well, it was one of the recommendations, actually, in the research that we did, that, that jurors should be given more opportunity to actually ask questions, uh, to consult and to get advice and become more involved in the trial. And I think that there's quite clearly been a case historically where the relationship between the jurors and the judge has become a distant relationship and certainly in terms of uh, maybe improving the quality of decision making you know some greater combination would be better. And do you think there are questions and and valid concerns about the quality of decision making from a jury? I think the quality of decision making in terms of guilt and innocence is taken very seriously by jurors and therefore I don't think there's any great problem that these things are taken lightly. Uh, and I think one can have some reassurance from the fact that a great deal of thought and time and effort goes into making what are seen to be the right decisions. Burkhardt, you, of course, have the, the luxury, in a sense, of the outsider's perspective. Can I ask you, finally, just for your thoughts on how this system of trial by jury in Britain looks from the outsider's side? I think that the closer one looks at the system, the more the similarities become apparent. The main difference seems indeed to be whether or not an inquisitorial system which puts the juror in charge has advantages over one where he remains largely passive. Think of a student being taught in seminars or in lectures. Decide for yourself which mode of education you prefer and you will know which type of jury you remember you want to be. OK, well, at this point, we're going to have to stop our own deliberations because we're running out of time. I'd like to thank our panel of experts, Gary Slaffer, Roger Matthews and Burkhardt Schaefer, and we leave it to you to deliver the verdict.